We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Yo, what's good? Knicks Nation, Al Terrace here, a.k.a. the Traticast. We're back again with another Game of the Week preview. This time, we are previewing the Knicks versus the Portland Trailblazers. They're going to be at MSG this Friday at 7.30 p.m. And who better to preview this game with than founder and host of Blazers Uprise and host of Believe in Blazers, Tory Jones. But before we ask Tory Jones and see how he's doing, Knicks Nation, I need your favor. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe to all the podcasts. We're on all audio listening platforms. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. All right, now let's get into this. Tori, my guy, how you doing, man? How you feeling today? I'm doing good, man. It's been a fun roller coaster of a season for us so far. Yeah, I mean, you've been shocking the world, to say the least, uh, the Portland Trailblazers. After last season and thinking that you're blowing it up, trading CJ McCollum, you know, we, we you get the Damian Lillard rumors not too long ago. It's you know, it's been uh, it's been interesting to watch from afar. But let's rip the bandaid off. What are your thoughts about the Blazers this season, man? How are you feeling about them? I'm encouraged. I still don't really know what to think at this point. They have that hot start, four and zero. They start ten and four on the season. Lost three straight going into this one, but they've played a super hard schedule. They haven't been healthy. Dame had his. First calf strain about a month ago, came back, wasn't quite back to himself, now has another calf strain, so he'll miss this Knicks matchup. But the Blazers are still 10-7 and defensively. They've been much better, much more creative. That was part of the reshuffling in the past year was just to try and become better defensively because they've been horrible on the defensive end. So honestly, for me, just seeing adequate defense is a positive as a Blazers fan. So uh, they've showed a lot of good things, but... 
sitting at 10 and seven, losing three straight. Can't feel too good about that. So still trying to fully figure out this team. And, uh, you know, Gary Payton, the second hasn't played all season. He should help out the defense as well. So I'm intrigued to see where this team can peak out at. I'm encouraged with what they've done so far, but I still don't really know what exactly they are. Yeah, man. And I want to know, do you think the, is it a testament to, I guess, Chauncey Billis being the head coach? Like, what are your thoughts on him? Because there was a lot of controversy when he got hired, right? And now you're starting to see this team come together. Sure, Damian Lillard is a big part of what's making this team run. But do you think Chauncey Billis has been impactful as a coach so far? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was not a big fan of the prior head coach, Terry Stotts. I was outspoken against him. That's kind of what mm. I got my start start on. I was known as the guy that wasn't a fan of Terry Stotts, but uh, Chauncey just holds players more accountable. You can tell mm-hmm. uh, he has a quote that he says to put an address on it. That's one of his sayings. Um, but he holds guys accountable defensively when they haven't been in the past under Terry Stotts. Uh, so that's one of the big things for me. But then also this team moves the ball better than they have in the past. In the past, it's been Dame's going to make everything happen. Defenses can load up on him. It's easy to guard him in the playoffs because you know they're going to run 50 pick and rolls a game. You just got to trap that, get the ball out of his hands. And in the past, the Blazers have had guys that you would let shoot threes, Maurice Harkless, Alfred Camino, guys like that. So now it's it's part of it is they have forwards that can actually do things with the ball in their hands. Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart, but a big part of it is Chauncey Billups encourages ball movement, uh, just has a lot more movement in his half-court sets and plays Dame off the ball a lot more. Now with Dame out, Anthony Simons is kind of the guy, but I think Chauncey's whole vision for the team is much better. It's harder to guard. They switch up defenses more. So from a schematical standpoint, I think that's the biggest strength of Chauncey right now. He does struggle in some late game situational stuff. He has made some mistakes during these uh, past five games where the Blazers have lost four of them. Just having Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard in on a final defensive possession gave up an offensive rebound to Royce O'Neal because those guys were having to box him out. Uh, Drew Eubanks in late game situation as a big man against a small ball Dallas lineup crushed them. So if it gets into crunch time, then... I don't have as much confidence in Chauncey right now. Uh, he, he struggles to match up correctly or put the right lineup out on the floor, in my opinion, mm. in late game situations. But over the course of a game, the things that they do, the things that they run, both offensively and defensively, they run a lot of zone. Uh, that's where I'm a big fan of Chauncey Billups. Well, he's also a young coach, right? So he's yeah. just getting his, his his feet wet into the whole coaching sphere. Was this his second year, right? Coaching the Blazers. So Yes, he's been a point guard, Mr. Big Shot himself. We know how he was and how he performed when he was out in Detroit and all the other stops along his career, uh, whether it be Denver, even New York, for that short stint that we saw him. But I feel like that he will improve as time goes along. But you know, it's so interesting you talk about holding players accountable, late game schematics. That's when we have complaints over here uh, for the New York Knicks side. You know, Tom Thibodeau, when it comes to holding players accountable, he can hold everybody else accountable. Uh, we, We complained last year when it came to Julius Randle. Although Julius Randle is playing better than he has last season, we still see that there's some instances where, you know, maybe Julius Randle needs to be held accountable in this situation. And when it comes down to late game execution, it's, it's usually a mixed bag with Tom Thibodeau. I say, I, I think for this year, it's, you know, it's, we're talking about talent 
holding guys accountable, all that together. He's not really been that off. He's never been that offensive guru, right? Like that's never been Tom Thibodeau's game, but even defensively, because the Knicks give up so many threes, it's just, can we make some in-game adjustments to stop so many teams giving them, like giving them the opportunity to put up so many threes? Like we all know him for his ice defense and trying to protect the paint, but it's not working with this current NBA where you're having so many good three-point shooters at all positions. But it sounds like for you, when it came back to Chauncey Billups, it sounds like you're, you do like him. I think, does the fan base like him? And if so, is the fan base seeing him for the foreseeable future and like keeping around for the long term? I think after the, what they've seen this season, the, the fan base is more of a fan of him. Uh, a lot of people love Terry Stotts. So when he was fired, that was tough for a lot of people. Wasn't tough for me. Wasn't tough for my co-host. We had a fun stream when that happened. But for a lot of other people, it was tough. So I feel like they weren't going to give Chauncey the benefit of the doubt. But after seeing the way this team played to start the year, starting 4-0 especially, just moving the ball around, passing the ball, a lot of drive and kick. They like to get teams stuck in rotations and, and attack closeouts. That's a big thing. Um, but then also playing defense, uh, the fan base, I think, ended up being more positive on them. Okay. So now now, now moving off from uh, Chauncey Billups, let's move on to what we saw happen last season, which comes to the trading of C.J. McCollum, right? And to an outsider, it seemed like they were ready to blow this entire thing up. I didn't expect Dame to be around this season, but knowing Damian Lord, he's he wants to be a trailblazer. You know, we had those reports um, in the past where you thought he was going to get traded. He's still here today. The Blazers are doing well. It it looks like they're mixing an interesting rebuild, but keeping Nurkic and Dame as part of that foundation to usher in these new guys or just be the leaders and still trying to figure out how to stay competitive with Dame somewhere around there, like a mix of all of that in one pot. What were your initial thoughts when you saw CJ McComb traded last season? Did you think Dame was going to be gone? Did you think this team was going to get blown up? What were your thoughts on that? I have never once truly worried about Damian Lillard leaving. Uh, even last summer, uh, you know, a year and a half ago when there was rumors and he didn't, initially squash them he's just a loyal guy to his core and he's the type of guy to accept the challenge of trying to get things done in portland compared to running somewhere else and trying to get it done somewhere else he's been on the record multiple times where he's said that uh it would mean more to him to get it done in portland than it would somewhere else and i can you know understand that so uh it's just in his dna i've never been worried about him being a guy that's going to run from the challenge of getting it done in portland um but with the CJ McCollum trade, I thought it was more so a case of clearing a spot for Anthony Simons. I know a lot of people hmm. saw that as a rebuild, but Anthony Simons was playing great when they made that trade. He was phenomenal last season in the 30 games that he started, averaged 22 points per game, five assists per game. So it was more so you want to give that guy the minutes. That guy can play the CJ role. And then if you can go out and get a really good role player in Josh Hart, and then they also got the uh a pick from the Pelicans that was supposed to be in the lottery. So when that happened, I like the sound of that. This draft class has been really, really good. Um, so Josh Hart in the lottery pick and you clear a spot for Anthony Simons. I looked at that more as a retooling move 
Um, and then they didn't end up getting that pick from the Pelicans when they played their way into the play-in. So then that trade kind of sucked because instead we got a 2025 Milwaukee first, which doesn't have a ton of value. It's the Bucks. It's in three years. So at that point in time, when we lost that pick, when it ended up being a future Milwaukee first and Josh Hart, it didn't look too good. But then they flipped that Milwaukee first for Jeremy Grant. So in the end, it was CJ McCollum for Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant are two starting forwards, two forwards that can both handle the ball a bit, do things off the dribble. Josh Hart's more of a facilitator, a rebounder. Jeremy Grant's more of a scorer. Um, but both guys can defend at a decent level. So I like the way they retooled. Um, I never once thought it was going to be a rebuild. I don't think Dame would have been happy with that. And I think this franchise is truly trying to um, work with Dame to do what's in his best interest. Jeremy Grant was a guy he wanted for a while. He recruited him going back to the Olympics when he played with uh, like Kevin Durant and, and Dame were both trying to recruit Jeremy okay. Grant during that Olympic run is what I heard. Um, so on the outside looking in, I could see how it looked like a, a rebuild, but it always looked like a retool from the jump where they were still going to try and be competitive, but they were also going to get younger. So maybe it would be a longer window if a guy like a Shaden Sharp, who they ended up drafting, is able to, to pop. Um, you know, Anthony Simons continues to improve. He's only 23 years old. So it's more so just uh, just retooling and getting younger and seeing where that could go. And in the end, I think that has more upside than the Dame and CJ teams ever did. Okay. And, you know, Anthony Simons, he's just been awesome so far. He's averaging 23 points, close to three rebounds, four assists per game, which is just fantastic for a guy. I mean, Knicks fans have been, last season, we were all like, let's try to trade for, that's just Knicks Nation, bro. We're just trying to trade for everybody we see. We see SGA, we see Anthony Simons. It's, can we go get that guy? We need somebody like that. And at the same time, we want to see our young guys play, but they've been playing a, more so of a bench role than being an impact player, as you see with Anthony Simons. So. We're just admiring from afar, man. That's that's yeah, all. No, I, I understand. It. I understand. <laughs> I've had to look at it like if somebody wants to trade for your player, that means they want your guy. That means they respect your guy. A lot of fan bases take it as something disrespectful if you want to trade for their player, but it's a sign of respect. It's a sign it really of respect. Is. The only thing that bugs me is if it's you know, uh, Lakers fans is something that I struggle oh, with I can, at I times, man. Uh, but you know, it was always Taylor Horton Tucker in a second round pick for Anthony <laughs> Simons. At that point, that's when it gets disrespectful. When it's just not nowhere near enough. But uh, oh, you man. know, it's a normally it's a side of respect, right? And uh, the old was it the SpongeBob mean of the old reliable where you have him opening up the case of just Taylor Horton Tucker and, and uh, the first round pick or whatever pick that the Lakers are trying to offer for Anthony Simons, which is. That's yeah. how I look at it as. And then they trade him for Patrick Beverly, who had zero points and one shove in the back last night. So that's what Taylor Horton Tucker's trade value ended up being. Hey, man. Eh, that's how the NBA works out, right? But yeah. moving, the, moving these things along. So with the way the Blazers are performing and the season outlook from the, from the get-go, do you expect them to be buyers or sellers once the trade deadline comes around? Do you, or do you think they even stay pat? I think it's most likely they stay pat. They don't have their first round pick next year. They went to Chicago. It was part of that three team deal with Lori Markin and going to Cleveland. Um, so they don't really have the picks that they can move around. That pick is protected through multiple years. So it's really hard to trade future picks. Um, and then I think they really like Josh Hart on this team. I don't know if he's the long term starter. He may end up being a long term bench guy, but that guy can play any role. Um, in a trade, he would probably be the guy going out. But 
it's really hard to figure out what would make sense for this team where they could trade Josh Hart without being able to trade their future first round picks. They could unprotect that pick to Chicago, but that gets messy. I don't know if they want to do that. So uh, in the end, it's just a complicated situation that is going to be hard to truly make a splash that improves the team. Um, The salaries are hard to work out and all that stuff. So I think it's most likely they stay pat. If they're good enough, maybe they unprotect that first to Chicago so they can trade future first and they can just throw that in the deal and they're willing to be risky because they're on the doorstep. But without them being, you know, a top two, three team around the trade deadline, uh, I think it's most likely they stand pat and hope that the young talent they have on their team continues to improve and build towards a playoff run. So let's talk about that young talent. That's actually a good segue for my next topic. You got Anthony Simons, who we touched on, who's just been transcending every single, uh, well, these past two seasons, he's really taken a step up. You got Shadon Sharp. You got Nazir Little. You got Keon Johnson. You got all these guys, man. What are, you, what are your thoughts about the youth that the Blazers are investing in? It's fun, man. It's, it's fun dreaming about the future uh, with a guy like Shaden Sharp, especially. That was a guy that I wanted before the draft. Um, he was just just a high upside guy with true star potential that this team hasn't really had outside of Anthony Simons the past few years. Um, he's still extremely young, 19 years old. But the fact that he's able to come in and actually help the team right now is honestly a pleasant surprise to me. And I'm somebody who wanted him. Um, but he specifically has done a really good job just playing off the ball. He's shooting, I think, still above 40% from three right now. Uh, early in the season, he was cutting a lot more, and he's a threat when he cuts with his athleticism, 40-plus uh, inch vertical. So, uh, And then defensively, he's kind of struggled lately, but the start of the season, he was actually holding his own a little bit. So for a guy who didn't play in college to come in and know how to cut and just not force things, that's been a big thing that I was – worried about him doing was he's going to try and play like he did in high school and uh, be that guy. Um, Instead, he's just come in and filled a role, hasn't done too much. So um, in the future, the hope is that he can become that go-to scorer, that ball handler and all that, but he can play a role without having to do all that right now because he's good off the ball. So um, having, having room for growth and being able to give him those developmental minutes without him hurting the team right now has been huge, I think. Um, but then Anthony Simons as well. I think both these guys will benefit a lot under Damian Lillard. That's a reason to keep Dame around just as that mentor, as that vet that can teach these guys things that he knows. I think it's already worked wonders with Anthony Simons. I think it will work wonders with Shaden Sharp. So those two guys are the future, though, uh, after Dame. Uh, those two guys are probably going to be the starting backcourt in six, seven years whenever Dame retires. Um, you know, maybe they're not around, but it's just fun being able to know that the future is sustainable. It's not something where we have to win in the next two years or else we're going to be in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good young talent on this team. I feel like the rest of the NBA doesn't really realize how much good young talent there is on this trailblazer team. Yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about Nazir Little and uh, Keon Johnson, who I asked as well? Like you talked about those two, those two guys. Um, do you see these guys being part of that future too? Or do you just see them as role players here for, for now? 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Nasir Little just signed an extension that starts next year. That's four years, $7 million a year. Okay. Which is an absolute bargain. I was shocked when I saw that price tag. And even Nasir Little admitted that He's probably going to outplay that contract, but that was enough money for him to, uh, you know, do the things he wanted to do, take care of the people he wanted to take care of. So uh, that was pretty cool. With Nas or Nasir Little, um, he hasn't been good enough defensively this year. He was a good on-ball defender last year. He had big-time crunch time stops against DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irving, some of the best players in the league. Uh, He was able to get big stops on. Uh, He was a good on-ball defender last year. Off Mm -hmm. the ball, he had some weaknesses. He falls asleep too much, that sort of thing. This year, he came into training camp after having core surgery, so he wasn't 100%, and it's still hard to tell if he's at 100%. He hasn't been playing a whole lot, about 15 minutes a game or so. He shot the three ball really well. He's shooting, I think, 42, 43% right now. He's finished well. Uh, He can attack straight line drives, that sort of thing. Uh, A strong athlete. Defensively Mm -hmm. on the ball, he's regressed though. So that's that's something that doesn't really make sense to me because he has the physical tools to be a lockdown defensive player, in my opinion. And if he can become that type of defender, he would be a huge piece on this team. This team needs defenders like that. So that's kind of the thing that I've been watching for from him is just to have a positive impact defensively. Unfortunately, he hasn't. So uh, I don't know if that's due to him not being 100% or if it's a mental block or what exactly it is. 
But he could be a really good player if he figures it out defensively. And then Keon Johnson, um, he's still, I think, 20 years old right now. Uh, very young, coming into the NBA second season right now. Um, he just doesn't get enough playing time if the Blazers are healthy, so it's hard to talk a lot about him. And he's been injured. He's missed the past couple of games. He would probably be playing right now with Damian Lillard out. Mm. So we'll see when he gets healthy, but uh, he just shows flashes. They're not consistent, but uh, his three-point shot, he was one of those guys coming out of college where he was a 27% three-point shooter in college, but his form looked good. His shot looked fine, and it didn't make much sense. So he's improved. Doesn't really look like he's changed anything, but um, he could be a 3-and-D guy that's able to do some stuff off the dribble. So I think that's really what this team is looking for and what a lot of NBA teams are looking for. It's just those 3-and-D guys that you can plug in. They don't need the ball in their hands. When they have the ball, they can make something happen. And then on the defensive end, they get it done. So I think Nas fits that profile. I think Keon Johnson fits that profile as well. That's awesome. You know, our guy would be Quentin Grimes. That's our 3 and D guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he just came back off of a uh, of, uh, foot injury. And, you know, when you watch, when you talk about somebody who's able to make a decision once the ball touches their hands, like he either is cutting, he's either driving, putting up a shot, uh, making that swing pass. He's just over the place. His IQ is so high. and it's so important when you start to see those 3 and D type players on your team. Now, before we get into, uh, in, into this matchup, you mentioned about Damian Lillard being that like elder statesman, right? To like guiding these new guys up. Do you see Dame as a blazer for the rest of his career? I hope so, man. I, I think he'll be, I think he'll retire in a blazer uniform. I mean, he's stuck it through this far with some mm-hmm. questionable rosters. Uh, and now he has all this young talent that we just talked about that will continue to grow and get better. I don't see him leaving, especially when he's the type of guy who gets really invested in the young talent on this team. Like you can tell that he enjoys mentoring the youth on this team. Even when he's awesome. out, he's up on the sideline, he's bringing guys over, he's in their ear, he's like very involved. So as Shaden Sharp continues to grow, Anthony Simons, I don't think he's going to want to leave them. Even if he's not necessarily winning a ring, he said multiple times that he's okay not winning a ring if he uh, you know, doesn't shy away from the challenge of getting it done in Portland. I'm paraphrasing there, but basically it's, you know, he wants to get it done in Portland and he'll try his best to get it done here. And if he doesn't, that's okay. You know, obviously he wants to win a ring and he's very competitive, but um, it's just, he's just a loyal guy. He played at Weber State's and actually had a chance to transfer to a bigger time college and didn't. So this isn't just a Portland thing. This goes back to his college days. Uh, I, I expect he'll be in a Blazer uniform his entire career. Okay. Now, getting into this matchup, right? You're, you're without Dame, actually. He yep. has a calf strain. How do you feel about this matchup? Not having the, not having the guy going into this matchup. Still feel good about it? What are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, this Blazer team is dangerous when they play the right way. It's just you can't rely on Dame to do all the things he does offensively. So the key for them is they got to move the ball. Uh, When they have moved the ball without Dame, they've still been a good offensive team. They beat uh, a healthy New Orleans Pelicans team on the road without Dame earlier this season. They beat a pretty healthy Phoenix Suns team on the road earlier this season without Dame. And I believe they also didn't have Anthony Simons in that game, if I recall correctly. 
uh, I, I think they were playing Justice Winslow at point guard and they took care of business. That was the Jeremy Grant buzzer beater where Suns fans will argue it's a travel. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a different debate. Uh, so this team can get it done without Damian Lillard. It's just, uh, will they bring that intensity defensively? They played extremely hard on the defensive end first 10 games of the season or so. I felt like that's kind of waned a little bit lately in some of these losses where they would step up in the past and get a crunch time stop. Now they're giving up a crunch time bucket. Some of that goes back to some of the situational mistakes that Chauncey Billups has made. But um, this team can be dangerous if they move the ball on offense, if they don't get stagnant, they don't have somebody like Dame to bail that out. And then if they, uh, you know, play solid defense, which mm. unfortunately I, I don't know if they, if they will, given how recent things have trended. Okay. For the Knicks on our side, you know, Cam Reddish got injured last week against the Golden State Warriors while guarding Steph Curry. Mitchell Robinson playing against the OKC Thunder on Monday. Really injured, aggravate, aggravated, re-aggravated, injured his knee again, whatever you want to call it. Derrick Rose injured himself against the Phoenix Suns on Sunday. Uh, has a toe injury. They all practice today in some limited form or fashion. According to Tom Thibodeau, he, Reddish practiced some. Robinson did the most. Uh, as well as Derrick Rose. So I'm expecting all of them to come back. But for our starters, it's more important that we have, we're going to have Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, uh, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. And if we have Mitchell Robinson, who's healthy, although I think he'll be coming off the bench, I think we might get some Jericho Sims, who's also, in my opinion, a carbon copy of Mitchell Robinson to some degree, just a good shot blocker, good uh, paint protector, very aggressive, high-flying dunker, I think that all those guys will give a young, a young Blazers team, especially a, a good run for their money without Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard would make me a little concerned, although we do got Jalen Brunson, and I think he'd keep us in the matchup. But without Damian Lillard, as a Knicks fan, I'm feeling a little bit more confident. And the matchups that I'm looking forward to, and I think will be the key matchups in this game, will be Anthony Simons versus Quentin Grimes, because Grimes is going to be our best defender. Simons is probably your best offensive player right now without Damian Lord. So with a talk about a three and D guy, a guy who's tenacious on defense, I'm looking at Quentin Grimes taking that assignment. You talk about, and then we'll get the power forward matchup with Jeremy Grant and Julius Randle. Both different types of power forwards, both different playing styles. Grant's a little bit more finesse shooter. Randle is more of a bully ball, bully ball type player, getting into the paint, uh, back towards the basket and can give you some mid-range work. And then I'm looking at the center back. Because as much as I like Jericho Sims, Nurkic is just, he, he's very crafty. You know, he's got a good shot. You know, he's got good footwork in the paint. Health is another story. We're not talking about health today, though. But I think he's very good. I think he'll give Sims a little bit of a challenge. But I think that, those are my three marquee matchups I'm looking at into this game. Would you, would you agree with those? Or are there any other matchups that you're looking at? Uh, I'm not entirely sure Jeremy Grant is going to guard Julius Randle. Mm. Chauncey's been strange with how he's matched up Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant against players. I think Jeremy Grant's a great defender. The one thing For he sure. really struggles with is screen navigation. He gets screened way out of plays, uh, struggles getting through, uh, struggles dealing with pick and rolls. Not like Julius Randle's going to guard a lot of pick and rolls, but that's where Chauncey's been weird is He's put Jeremy Grant up against Jaw Morant, De'Aaron Fox, guards that run a lot of pick and rolls. But then we played Brooklyn the other night. You would think that Jeremy Grant would be the perfect type of defender to try and slow down Kevin Durant. He put Josh Hart on Kevin Durant. Interesting. So the way he's deployed these guys is 
Jeremy Grant on guards to bother them with length. But then when you truly need length against Kevin Durant, he's gone with Josh Hart. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something weird like Josh Hart on Julius Randle. Josh Hart's a strong player. He plays bigger than he is, but in the end, he's 6'4", 6'5", right? Uh, so Julius Randle would have a height, uh, a height advantage there. I think they might go Jeremy Grant on Jalen Brunson, which would be a That'd mistake be in my opinion. Yeah, it would be different. Um, but, you know, I assume Jalen Brunson runs a lot of pick rolls with your Knicks team. Um, I don't want Jeremy Grant to be on Jalen Brunson, but that could be the matchup. And that could be an area where the Knicks can take advantage if Jeremy Grant is on Jalen Brunson, is running a lot of pick and roll with him. Uh, Jeremy Grant's footwork getting through screens just is not that good. So that's something I'm looking for early on in this game. If it's a situation where they don't match up Jeremy Grant onto Julius Randle, that's what the matchup should be, in my opinion. If mm. it's not, I'll be uh, ranting on Twitter about it. <laughs> so who, I mean, to me, that, that, that'd be great because we know how I, Jalen Brunson's footwork is just, you know, he's, he's, I just did this. I talked about it yesterday on uh, Next Weekly, another segment that we do. We'll recap the, the good, the bad, the ugly, as our guy CP would say, uh, what we saw from the previous week from the New York Knicks. And the one thing I noticed is that Brunson is in the top five in the NBA right now when it comes to driving into the paint. And he does like to utilize the pick and roll. His footwork is just on a whole other level. I mean, we just saw what he, we, besides this season, we saw what he did against Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he can just throw big men, you know, just pump fake, go up and under and, and trap them in losing their balance. That way he can get a shot off. I would love that, honestly, because what you're telling me with Jeremy Grant having to guard the pick and roll, which we do run a good amount with Jalen Brunson, I would like to see that matchup. I would say Brunson's going to feast all day if that's the case because he is so crafty when it comes to stopping and going and just changing pace and direction. It's just on a whole other level, I would love to see that. But yeah. Josh Hart, that's it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I would expect Josh Hart to be guarding Brunson. But... Who, who's who's playing point guard? You don't got Damian Lillard. Who's playing point guard right now? You don't got Gary Payton. Simon, Simons is the point guard. Uh, okay. And Simons, when he went off during that 30 games last year, he was the point guard. Dame obviously had his surgery. So uh, Simons actually might be a little bit better when he can be that main uh, ball handler with the starting lineup. Okay. With Dame, he's played off the ball, but then they would actually stagger Dame and Simons, and Simons would sub out early, then come back in with the bench lineup and be the point guard for the bench lineup, and that made our bench lineup a lot more dangerous. Uh, unfortunately, without Dame, they don't have that luxury. So that's another thing to watch for in this game: is how does the bench, how does our bench do? Um, but yeah, Simons is, is the point guard, and and he can handle the ball. And then Josh Hart's kind of that secondary playmaker. Shaden Sharp will start at the two. Josh Hart's the starting three, but Josh Hart's really the the second ball handler there, uh, in that in that offense. Corey, it's like you're 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 taking my cheat sheet over here, man, because you're just giving me the perfect segue <laughs> to talk about uh the battle of the benches right now, you know. Mm-hmm. And if Derrick Rose is back, and he's been starting to get on that uptick with Derrick Rose, Emmanuel quickly Obi Toppin. And if, if Sims is starting or if it's Mitchell Robinson or even Isaiah Hartenstein, I'm confident in our second unit. They're starting to gather everything together. We've had one of the best second units the past two seasons, especially with Derrick Rose at the helm. I'm confident about the second unit. Even though they've had their struggles this year, it seems like, especially from this West Coast trip, they started to get that uptick. We're starting to see Derrick Rose get his feline quickness back, as Walt Clyde Frazier would say. Emmanuel quickly, he just found his shot uh, playing against OKC Thunder, hit four of his five three-pointers. 
And if for even in the first half, he he averaged uh, twelve points within twelve minutes. That's how that's how good he was. I'm pretty sure he ended the last game with eighteen points in total coming off the bench. Obi Toppin, he struggled a couple. He struggled these past two games, but he's one of our more efficient bench players. Who's not who? who it'd be nice if you can get over twenty minutes. That, Dude, I've been I've been sitting here asking for him to get. I've been an Obi Toppin truther since his days at Dayton, <laughs> and <laughs> now he's stuck behind Julius Randle, and he's played well, man. And uh, I just want to see what he could do in a starting role. So I've I've been over here across the country asking for him to play more. Well, I won't say I was a truther from from his time at Dayton. I was all I was all concerned, but I'm like you and the rest of the Knicks fan base wants, or most of the Knicks fan base wants to see more Obi Toppin. All right. It's uh, like Christopher Walken asking for more cowbell in uh, that SNL skit. We just need more Obi Toppin. So Obi Toppin, when he's on point, he's one of our most efficient bench guys. And then Hartenstein or Sims, they're solid centers coming off the bench. Like I said, I'm confident in it. How do you feel about your second unit uh, going against our second unit? I'm not confident in our second unit right now. Uh, offensively, without Simons playing staggered with that bench lineup, they've gotten a bit stagnant and they just don't have enough shot creation you have Nasir Little who's more of a straight line driver he's not much of a ball handler Drew Eubanks has been the backup big and he's actually provided a spark for this team just with his energy making hustle plays that sort of thing but obviously he's a he's a big man he's a center he's not going to do anything with the ball Trent Watford has been playing a little bit uh he's a questionable three-point shooter he can handle a ball but he's not much of a self-creator um, shooting could be a problem with this bench lineup with uh, Watford and Eubanks playing together. Neither one are guys that you have to truly worry about from the three-point line. Um, so also the, the problem with Dame being hurt is you take Shane Sharp off that bench and he's worked really well uh, off that bench, been kind of a, a go-to scorer in a way. Um, so if you can play good defense against this Blazers bench lineup, then you could have a lot of success because they won't get stagnant and they don't have anyone to truly turn to. Um, I don't know who they're going to stagger with the starting lineup. Maybe it's Josh Hart plays with the bench lineup. I don't really know what their solution is going to be. Normally, it hasn't been a situation where they've subbed in five bench guys at a time. So you could see Jeremy Grant with this bench lineup just to try and give them a go-to score. But that's where teams have been able to have success is by being able to take the Blazers out of their offense, defend physically against this bench lineup uh, because they will get stagnant and they'll struggle if they get stagnant without, uh, you know, Simon's playing with that bench unit without Shane Sharp playing with that bench unit. Okay. And I can't even believe I did this. And I know Nick's nation's already in the chat when this thing premieres later tonight saying, where does the cam reddish love? And I'm sorry, because this is where, this is the thing. We're used to a 10 man rotation with the Knicks. And I named nine players and Tibbs shortened it. And we just had this debate last night on Knicks Weekly. And if, for, for anyone who's watching right now, if you haven't checked that one out, make sure to go check it out on uh, on the KFTV YouTube page. We we discussed on who would be the outside on the outside looking in, and whether it would be Derrick Rose. And unfortunately, it was Derrick Rose. So I'm going to throw Cam Reddish in here. I'm going to go ten. All right. So Cam Reddish is the other guy with that second unit, and I'd his defense, his offense, his tantalizing ability just to get into the lane. And, and finish right now at different and weird angles is just, it's been interesting to watch like as a fan because we haven't had that as a Knicks, on the Knicks for, for such a long time. And I think he would give problems. You talk about how Shadon Sharp 
has uh, been like driving, good sh- good shooter. Cam has been slowly getting to that rhythm. I would kind of expect something similar from that for on the Knicks side from from Cam Reddish if he's feeling it. Defensively, he's been locked in. Offense, it's been a little hot and cold some nights, but if he's locked in, that's another guy I, I'd be on the lookout for. Yeah, yeah, and I remember last year you guys trade for him. And then yep. Tibbs doesn't trust him to play. And it was looking like, okay, they want well, him. <laughs> why did they give up a first round pick for somebody that they're going to bring in and they're not going to play him? So uh, it is cool to see him finally get some run and, and play better because I've i never been the biggest Cam Reddish fan, but it's always been because he's never consistently finished like efficiently enough inside the arc. Uh, he's improved this year. Uh, always had that 3 and D ability. So that's the type of guy that I feel like would go off against the Blazers. Uh, that's the type of guy that uh, I feel like could be due for a 20-point game. We lost to the Utah Jazz the other night. Malik Beasley had 27 off the bench. There's just certain guys that always seem to do well, and it doesn't matter who's on our team. We could be talking about 10 years ago. It's always that shooter off the bench, maybe with a little bit of size on the wing that goes off. Kevin Herter went off against us opening night. Just that type of player, (laughs) that type of shooter just seems to give us problems, man. Bro, I don't know if I'm talking to another Knicks fan because we have that same issue. We, we, (laughs) we, we, we have Zeke Najee coming into our building and throwing up points. And we're just like, what just happened? So I'm glad that some, some, another fan base can feel our pain as well. But Tori, thank you so much for for coming on. Last question: What's your what's your score prediction for this game? Uh, you know, I gotta go with my Blazers. Uh, right, maybe getting the upset here. Uh, I saw you guys were favored by like eight and a half. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Blazers getting off the snide. One ten, one oh eight. I think the score will be somewhere in that range. Uh, I'm gonna go one ten, one oh eight. Blazers. All right, I'm gonna go one fifteen. 107 Knicks. That's what I'm going with. That's that's what I'm going with. Knicks get the dub at home, uh, and they got to because they got Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday, so they got to do it, man. Got to do it. Um, but thank you, Tori, for coming on again. Please let uh, Knicks Nation know where they can find your work and if you got anything coming up. Yeah, so we have a uh, two YouTube channels: Blazers Uprise, Blazers Uprise Live. You can just. Uh, search it on YouTube, or I don't know if you're going to put a link in this description or not, or what your whole thing is. But uh, yeah, Blazers Uprise, we do post-game shows and videos, and then Blazers Uprise Live, we stream Mondays and Thursdays, and we actually pick games. We got graphics. We do picks against the spread. So I'm going to be picking that spread later on, on that Knicks favored by eight and a half. Um, but then you can follow me on Twitter at Tory Jones YT. That's T-O-R-E-Y Jones YT. I tweet out quite a bit. Uh, and I do pay attention to the rest of the league. I do pay a lot of attention to your Knicks. Okay, good to know. Good to know. You know, I, I, the Blazers are a very interesting team right now. So Anthony Simons, of course, gets uh, all the attention though, and everyone th- for quite some time was thinking that Damian Lillard would be a Nick too. So people are checking out on the Blazers. We love basketball over here. But thank you to Knicks Nation for tuning in for another game of the week preview. Once again, the New York Knicks are home playing the Portland Trail Blazers at seven thirty p.m. at MSG. And make sure to go to NicksFanTV.com. Check out all the great writers, especially after the games. We got Remy doing his recaps after every single game. Very in-depth analysis of how every single player who was who played substantial minutes and how they did. And then make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Make sure to go to any audio listening platform if you cannot watch live with us, whether it premieres or whatnot. We're on Spotify, Apple, you name it. We are there. Make sure to go check it out. 
And thank you, Knicks Nation. We'll catch you later for postgame after the Knicks play the Blazers. We out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.